Hello, all you happy innovators. How you doing? Are you having a good week? I hope you're having a good week. Here we are at episode 33 of Snowflake 33. The end of Snowflake 33. It's a little bit sad, but the end is the beginning is the end, you know. So don't feel too bad. This whole thing's going to continue, but just in a different form, slightly different form anyway. Of course, you know, I do reserve the right to occasionally change things or change direction at will, you know, because after all, this is my show. And uh, I would imagine that as my audience, you probably appreciate the spirit of that, that um, my creative process and my ideas are, you know, kind of a wild card kind of thing. And um, I would like to think that if you're tuning in to me, whether it's the music or the talking or whatever it is, that you probably appreciate that, at least on some level. Anyway, so we are here at this final episode of Snowflake 33, the 33rd episode of Snowflake 33, and I had reserved a very special topic for this particular episode. Um, You know, originally I wanted to talk about this in the first couple of episodes, but, you know, one thing led to another and that wound up not happening, and I'm kind of glad for that now, because now I get to wrap up this whole Snowflake 33 thing. Uh, discussing the topic that's probably, you know, one of the most important to me. Anyway, as far as my career as an outsider artist, as far as my uh, development uh, when I was younger and even into my adult life. um, And I guess, you know, I'll just cut to the chase, you know. Um... There have been a lot of people in my life that have had a lot of impact. I've had, you know, a lot of influences, a lot of heroes, a lot of um, remarkable people that I knew personally. I've known a lot of great men. I've known a lot of great women. Um, but when I look back on my life in its totality, okay, and I... I think of all the people that I've known and there's a lot, okay? But there's one person that really kind of stands out to me in my memory and that person is my grandfather, okay? My grandfather on my mother's side, okay? Um... My grandfather is kind of like a legend in my family. Okay, he's kind of like this Paul Bunyan kind of character, you know, where different family members and, you know, from all different ages have different memories of him. And he was this, like, remarkable individual. He was extremely creative, Uh, 
He was extremely compassionate. He was physically strong. Uh, he was really funny. And um, my grandfather was a very unique individual. He was different than everyone else. And I guess that's what I want to talk about with this final episode of Snowflake 33. I can't think of a better person to dedicate it to or a better memory to dedicate it to than that of my grandfather on my mother's side. Okay, there's a big difference in my family between my dad's dad and my mom's dad. Two very different people. Okay. Um, I did not know my grandfather on my father's side as well as I knew my grandfather on my mother's side um, because my grandfather on my father's side died when I was really young. Okay, I have, I have a very vague memory of him, but my grandfather on my mother's side was a pretty big part of my life. I spent quite a bit of time with my grandparents. Uh, my family spent quite a bit of time with my grandparents at their house and vice versa. And uh, um, so I think that my grandfather is you know, a pretty good topic to end Snowflake 33 with and kind of just like segue into the next phase of my podcasting and, and what I'm going to be talking about in the future. I just can't think of a better topic to end this project with. And I also think it's kind of funny. I want to mention this really quick in case you haven't noticed already that as I'm talking to you, I'm sick. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I have like a cold right now. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of had to laugh to myself because it's like a year to the day almost that I started Snowflake 33 and like I mentioned a couple episodes back I was sick and I decided to do it anyway well you know of course as soon as I started planning on doing this final episode bam I got sick man and it like sucks but it's like I like I said I have to laugh just go right ahead and keep going just do it anyway do the last episode sick you know, it's like tradition now, right? Pretty funny. It's definitely not something I planned. But you can hear it in my voice, right? At least I'm not, like, talking like I'm absolutely dying, you know? It's more like just in my nose or whatever. So I apologize for that. But, you know, I did have to laugh because it's like, oh yeah, okay, it's tradition. I get it. Why not? Just go right ahead and keep talking anyway. Anyway, back to my grandfather, this guy, you know, that had this huge impact on me for so many reasons and in so many ways. So I figured, like, there's so much to talk about with my grandfather. I mean, it crosses over and it's the, the, the themes and the impact my grandfather had on me is so broad that you can break it up into categories, you know, like uh, my existence as an artist my existence as a man, my existence as a child, my existence as a songwriter, 
my existence as a husband, the categories that my grandfather impacted on my in my life are so broad. I mean, I could talk about him for days. I mean, there's so much to talk about. So I'm going to really try to fit it all in. I suppose what I'll do is I'll, I'll talk to you about my grandfather um, in my memories, like what comes to me first, okay? And when I think about my grandfather, the very first thing that I think about is how strong he was. That's the first memory I have, okay? My grandfather, when I was like a little kid, he was like in his 70s or 80s, okay? So he was an older man, well past retirement, um, but he was still physically strong, okay? Now, when I say that, what I mean is my grandfather was ripped, okay? He was huge. He was like, his arms were huge, his chest. I mean, he was he was one of the strongest people I ever knew, okay? When I was a kid, I have a memory of my grandfather tearing phone books in half, okay? Like, we would be over at their house and we would be like, you know, oh, grandpa, you know, can you tear a phone book in half for us, you know? And he'd be like, all right. And he'd just, you know, reach over and grab it tear it right in half like rip and you know I don't know where he was getting all these phone books from but he never seemed to mind uh, tearing his phone book in half for us it was uh, something he would do for like entertainment for us it was great amazing actually okay so he was this huge strong physically strong and robust elderly man Okay, and, you know, I remember that, you know, most of the time my grandfather, you know, would dress, you know, really conservatively, kind of like, you know, a button up shirt and a pair of slacks, you know, nice shoes or something like that, Um, like the proper decorum, you know, for an elderly man, you know, but every once in a while when we would go over to their house, like he would be working out in the yard and he would have like his shirt off, you know, and he would be working and sweaty and just, you know, doing something. And uh, I remember he was very strong and very tan. And my grandfather is like 70 years old, okay? White chest hair, white chest hair, okay? But built like a brick shit house, you know? And uh, he wasn't a fire plug either. He was tall and he was just physically strong okay and I remember too how big his hands were and how weird his hands were really because they were like leather I mean his hands were working man's hands but my grandfather before he retired had worked for a company called Ohio Bell which was a telephone company and Ohio Bell is actually where my grandparents met My grandmother worked at the phone company as an operator, and my grandfather was a lineman. You know, he would climb telephone poles manually and fix telephone lines. That's what he did for a living. And my grandfather did that job for like 40 years. 
And for the most part, it was the only job that he ever had. And uh, eventually, you know, after they got married, my grandmother stopped working. But um, yeah, he had the same job for like 40 years. But, uh, you know, I explained to you a few episodes back about how I had done land clearing, you know, construction, uh, clearing out trees for new buildings that were going up. Okay, I did that for quite some time. Now, when I did that job, I was a ground guy. I was on the ground, you know, dropping trees and clearing out areas for new buildings to be built. I didn't climb the trees. I just cut them down from, you know, the ground. And my buddy that was in Slow Bob didn't climb either. Okay? So, like, one of the things I learned on that job, working with that guy from Slow Bob and that construction crew, was that being a climber is a different kind of thing. Okay? It requires different strength and a different kind of physical endurance, okay? And uh, we would hire out somebody to come and climb for us when that needed to be done. Okay, it was a special thing we would hire someone for. When a tree was too close to a building or something, we would hire a climber. Well, by doing that job and watching and observing these climbers, I kind of had a different appreciation for what my grandfather did for a living, okay? I understood, I think, maybe a little bit better what that required, like what kind of strength he would have to summon to do that job every day, okay? And the kind of physical strength you need. The, the, the kind of physical strength that's required to do that kind of work. So it makes sense to me now when I think about my grandfather and how physically strong he was, why he was that strong. Um, and like I said, his hands were, of course, I was a little guy, right? So his hands seemed absolutely huge to me, but I remember what they looked like. Okay, and they were like they were like leather. I mean, my grandfather's hands were so calloused and so worked and worn that the skin on his fingers was different than everyone else's. Okay, very coarse and very strong and durable. And when I think about my grandfather, those are the first things that come to mind. That's the first things that come to my memory. Okay. The second thing that comes to my memory was uh, the fact that my grandmother, my mother's mother, had rheumatoid arthritis. Okay, she was riddled with arthritis uh, when I was a young kid. So my memory of my grandmother is this very small and frail woman, okay, who was for the most part immobile. Uh, you know, suffering extreme amounts of pain on a daily basis, right? Because she had this arthritis and it was really bad. Okay, it was really bad. Her fingers were disfigured from this disease. Okay, that's why I remember this. And 
the contrast between my grandfather and my grandmother, these two completely different specimens of human being, okay? One very frail and very weak and, and dependent on him, and then this other figure, my grandfather, who was robust and strong and loud and funny and full of life and energy and power. I mean, this guy was extremely animated and charismatic. And when he talked, people listened. And when he made a joke, people laughed. I mean, he was like that kind of guy. But he cared for my grandmother and he loved my grandmother so much. Okay. Everybody that knew my grandmother loved her. Okay. My father has testified to that more than even my mother has. Okay. And I'll get to that story later on because it's an important part of the story. The relationship between my father and my mother's mother, my grandmother. Um, and now the next kind of thing that comes to my memory is how different visits were to my grandparents' house as opposed to where I lived. Okay, now we didn't live very far away from my grandparents. The drive was maybe a couple of cities over, a couple of towns over, okay? But my grandfather was a very unique individual, okay? His tastes and his worldview were very eccentric, okay? And I suppose that ultimately, okay, um, when I talk about the impact that my grandfather had on me as a person, this is definitely one of those things that I took from him, that it's important for a man to be physically strong, okay, and be able to take care of business, like to be that kind of person, but at the same time, be compassionate and delicate with people, that those two things can exist at the same time. And that it's important that you be your own person and be unique. Like being a unique person is admirable. It's something to strive for. That a person shouldn't readily fit into categories so easily. You know, that he could be strong and eccentric. Like that he could be macho, for lack of a better term, or eccentric or creative at the same time, that those two things could be in the same person at the same time, and what made him special or unique or different from everyone else was what was coming from inside of him, okay? That's what made my grandfather unique to me, among many things. And I'm going to try to touch on all of them. Now, I'll give you some examples of what I'm talking about. Um, well, for one thing, when we would go over to my grandparents' house, I remember it being like my grandfather relished, and that's the word I would use, 
both of my grandparents relished their grandchildren. Okay. They reveled in it. They loved their grandchildren. They loved having grandchildren. Okay. Now I know having said that, okay, that it's not an unusual thing or a spectacular thing that, you know, grandparents love their grandchildren. I do know and understand that that is the case most of the time. However, and you may know this, that it's not always a given, okay? And I consider myself fortunate that that's how it was for me, okay? Because after all, this is my story. So, I do understand it's not unusual that grandparents love their grandchildren. But my grandparents loved me. Okay? So when we went over to their house, it was like we kind of had a supremacy. You know? We got to rule the roost a little bit because we were, I guess you could say we were kind of spoiled by them. Now, When I was at home with my parents, it was not that way. It was the opposite, okay? We were not spoiled by my parents whatsoever. In fact, it was, you know, kind of a austere (laughs) or, you know, mundane kind of existence, you know? Like, my parents were very careful with their money. They had to be. And, um... We had more than enough, and we were comfortable and all those things. But when we went to my grandparents' house, it was different, okay? Okay, when I went to my grandparents' house, this is what I remember. They had cookies. They had every kind of cookie that you could think of in their cupboard. And both of my grandparents, my grandfather and my grandmother, took a great deal of pride in that cookie stash that they had for us okay it was something they devoted time and energy to so when we showed up it was like a feast (laughs) you know like it was the opposite of what it was like when we were at home and uh you know i just i just remember that kind of spirit in their house that when the grandchildren showed up we took center stage. They, they loved it, okay? And my parents would kind of just have to deal with it, <laughs> okay? Like, uh, it, w- it was our show, you know? And uh, it definitely wasn't like that at home. And that kind of love and that kind of generosity, that spirit of love that I got from both of my grandparents is something I remember very, very clearly. Okay? And it matters a great deal, especially now that so much time has passed. Um, That's what stands out in my memory. My grandparents were happy. Their house was happy. And my house was happy. But it was just a little happier at Grandma and Grandpa's house. Do you know what I mean? Um, now also too, my grandfather's house was very small. Okay. It wasn't a very big house, but it was like a museum. That would be like the best way to describe it. It was literally like an art museum. Now, 
when I say that, what I mean is like not that my grandfather was hanging other people's artwork in his house. It was like his take on everything. His... How should I say it? Every single thing that was in my grandfather's house was very interesting. Uh, Everything in his house had either been built by him, modified by him, or, you know, was collected by him, you know, and and presented by him. So uh, he had a lot of collections of things. He had a collection of paperweights, just, you know, all these different paperweights, and they were all on display, these different glass kind of paperweight things that he'd collected his whole life. Or, uh, like, the stuff he liked, the stuff that my grandfather displayed in his house or on his property was, like, all of it was, like, an expression of him. And a lot of it was just fascinating. It was, like, every room of the house, you know, every part of their property had something on it or you know some kind of unique thing or picture or object or you know just everywhere you looked it was in the kitchen it was in their front room their bedroom uh the attic the basement the front yard the backyard the barn the garage everything you know had the had his signature on it you know like his placement of items and his choice of items to put into his house was so unusual and unique. Like, I remember that he had a television, okay? It was a wooden, you know, console, television console with the, the glass removed, the guts removed. It was completely empty and it was made into a bookshelf. Okay. Now think about that. My grandfather turned his television into a bookshelf. Okay. Now, my grandfather was an artist. Okay. He did paint and he did sculpt and he did woodworking. He had a workshop where he did woodworking and he made furniture, but... I don't think that he was intentionally being artistic. I don't think he he even realized how artistic he, he actually was. Okay? And I don't think I realized it myself until I got older. Okay? Like, my grandfather was like the king of repurposing things. Okay? Like, the television to a bookshelf... You know, taking something that exists and then modifying it or changing it to become something else. Okay? Now, of all the things I learned from my grandfather or that I took from my grandfather, that's probably the most important. Okay? Because that idea, you know, that that philosophy or that practice of repurposing things is something that I do myself. It's something that I do a lot of myself 
And I would have to say that it's kind of like in honor of him. It's it's an attempt to continue that idea that he started. It's kind of like something that I feel I've inherited. It's part of my creative or artistic heritage that's been handed down to me by him. And it's something that I'm very proud of. It really was amazing. Some of the ideas that he had, like for instance, here's an example. Um, In his basement, he had this machete that he had made. Okay, And it was a practical tool he needed for his property. I mean, he had a huge piece of property. The house wasn't big, but he had a lot of land. Okay, And it was wooded. Okay, Now, my grandfather's house had at one time been a working farm. Uh, Not so much when I was a kid. By that time, the farm thing had been kind of phased out a little, but but the structures of a farm were still there. And it was a large piece of land with a lot of trees. So there was a a practical need for something like a machete. Like you would need it to do the work on the property. Well, rather than buying one, okay, what my grandfather did was he took an old lawnmower blade and he reshaped it. He cut it, you know, he, he forged it and pounded it into a different shape, okay? And then he made this wooden handle for it and he riveted it all together and he had this nice machete. And and I remember being a little kid and going to his house and like, you know, picking up this machete and like it was a sword or something, you know, a little bit of Napoleon dynamite, you know? And and, uh, it was like just the coolest thing, you know, as a little kid, like to to have this thing in your hand like yeah this is totally righteous like a a sword or something well I have that that machete I took it it was when my grandfather eventually uh, moved out of his house and everything and that, that'll come later in the story but I wound up owning that machete and maybe I'll show you a picture of it right here so you can see what I'm talking about um Another thing, like here's another example of him repurposing something. Um, He took a bunch of branches from trees, like on his property, and somehow had constructed this coat rack out of it. Okay, it's hard to explain, but it was a freestanding like hat and coat rack that was in his house. Okay, and uh, it was like. he took the the refuse from his yard and cleaned it up a little bit and transformed it into this practical structure that he would use in his house. That's where he kept his coats and his hats. They were all on this rack that he had made. Um, another thing that comes to mind was, uh, or is, um, in his garage where his workshop was, Ah, it was the coolest thing. He had every license plate that he'd ever owned. Okay. Now, my grandfather was born in like 1901. Okay. And 
by 1978 or 1980, you know, he had accumulated so many different license plates over the course of his life. And he had them all on display on this wall in his workshop and it covered the whole wall. Okay. Now he had license plates on his wall from when he had a Model T Ford. Okay. Like from when cars were first invented. Okay. He had the, his first license plate all the way up to his you know, current ones, you know, and just as a little kid, you would stand staring at this wall and it was like, you know, I guess like a form of like modern art. I mean, it was captivating because it covered so much time. But but there again, it's an example of taking something and, you know, repurposing it, taking it off your car and putting it on the wall. Now it's something you look at like a piece of art. And just as a kid, it was like just fascinating to stand there and look at it, you know? Um... What else? I mean, there's just so much about this guy, you know. Um, Okay, here's a cool story. Here's something that's really crazy. My grandfather uh, was digging around on his property once. I think he was, like, you know, excavating a garden or something, you know, something like that. And he accidentally came across, he dug up... uh, a Civil War rifle on his property. Okay? And he had this weapon, this old gun, refurbished professionally. You know, he had it cleaned up and made presentable. And he had it appraised as well for like $150,000. Some kind of crazy number like that. And it was on his wall in his house so as a little kid you know I remember looking at this gun that was a relic of the Civil War almost perfectly intact on his wall and you know we were allowed to touch it and like look at it it was amazing that that in and of itself is something to stand there and stare at right Um, another interesting thing about my grandfather, okay, is that he always wanted to be a musician, okay? I kind of got that from my grandfather, that he wanted to be a musician, but he failed at that, okay? It was something that he could not do, and there was evidence of him trying like a guitar and a ukulele up in his upstairs of his house where we would spend most of our time when we were at their house. And I I also remember that in his upstairs room where we were allowed to kind of like hang out and play, he had this easel set up, right? And on it was like this piece of fabric that was covered with all of these different election pins like the the pins that politicians hand out when they're you know campaigning you know so he had um you know 
just this this piece of fabric covered with all of these well i mean now i know for sure they were collectible and probably worth a lot of money um these uh, these campaign buttons from even like before world war one okay and like all the way up to like you know ronald reagan so uh you know spiro agnew richard nixon uh john f kennedy Gerald Ford. I mean, all these campaign buttons and, you know, it was like right at eye level for a little kid. So we would like look at this thing. It was like a piece of artwork in and of itself, you know, just to look at this whole collection of buttons on this piece of fabric, you know, set up on this easel. But he also had in this same space this guitar and this ukulele which we were allowed to freely pick up and play and all these kinds of things right and we would but what's really weird about this guitar that he had was that on the fretboard of the guitar okay where the frets are where your fingers go to hold chords right he had all the notes uh, written on the fretboard of this guitar so, you know, it was kind of like a, um, a guide for him to learn how to play this guitar. But despite that, he, he never really learned how to play. All right. Now, that's a very important thing for two reasons. One, it was probably my first exposure to a guitar okay where I was I was able to pick it up and play it whenever I wanted to and no one would yell at me or stop me or anything and this is a really important thing especially now when I look back because I was going to become a guitar player I didn't know that at the time but I was drawn to the instrument even when I was a kid and I was allowed to experiment with that instrument even when I was just a little kid, okay? And we're talking like little, like three years old, four years old, five years old, you know? Um, and another reason why that is important to my story is because even at that young age... Okay, I was a drummer. I, I knew what I wanted to do. And that was rather unfortunate for me in some ways because my parents didn't really know how to foster or nurture that kind of aptitude in a child. Okay? You know, they didn't really have a grasp of that. I don't think that it was like an unwillingness necessarily. It was just a lack of knowledge about musical instruments and things like that. Okay. They liked music. They listened to music, but they didn't play music. Okay. But my grandfather did. Okay. He got it. And I think that, well, I know, okay, from this story that I'm about to tell you, that this is a really important thing because there was this friend of mine who had a drum set, okay? 
that he was getting rid of. And I had a drum set that my parents had bought me, but it was kind of like a crappy drum set, okay? I mean, I was grateful for it, don't get me wrong. They were real drums, but it was old and it was kind of junky and kind of an incomplete drum set. And my parents were kind of like not aware of that when they bought it. Like they, they wouldn't know what to buy me, okay? Even though I knew what to buy me, if they would have asked me, I could have told them, but they, you know, I was a kid. And it was like a, a gift from Santa Claus, you know, this drum set. So I was grateful for it and, and I loved it, but it was incomplete. Well, anyway, this friend of mine, like I was saying, was selling his drum set, okay? He wanted to sell it for $50. $50. It was a trap set. It was a Blue Sparkle Apollo drum set. I remember it like, you know, as clearly as I can remember anything in my life because I just loved this drum set. But my mother and my father were kind of like refusing to buy it for me. For 50 bucks because I already had a drum set and you know 50 bucks is a lot of money when you're on a budget right well I was like heartbroken about this okay this was like a major major disappointment for me okay well while this whole issue of this drum set was like up in the air and we were arguing about it and discussing it I was probably about maybe 10 or 12 years old okay uh my grandfather was over at our house for whatever reason he was there and my mother and I were going back and forth about this drum set and my grandfather obviously overheard the conversation and he's like whoa 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 like wait like what are we talking about here you know and my mother explains it to him. Well, you know, he wants this drum set. It's $50, but he's already got a drum set and we're not going to be spending that money. And, you know, and my grandfather actually got angry with my mother. Okay. Which never happened. Okay. Because he loved my mother. She was spoiled. Okay. She was his, his golden child, you know, but he got angry with her because she just wasn't willing to lay the money down. You know, it was about money. So my grandfather pulls out his wallet, slaps $50 down on the table right in front of me. And he says, go get your drums. Okay. Like, and that was totally, <laughs> that was totally freaking righteous. Right. But what it kind of showed me or tells me now as an adult looking back on it was that he was digging the fact that one of his grandkids was going to be a musician. Okay. Like that, that one of his grandchildren had been bitten by the bug and had the gift that he did not have. Now my grandfather was a very, like I said, gifted and charismatic guy, but what really rocked his world was that one of his grandkids was going to be able to do something that he was never really able to do. And it was something he really desired. Okay. It was something he really tried to do, but
but he didn't succeed. So, honestly and truly, I have to say that, you know, to this very day, you know, every time I pick up an instrument, no matter what it is, guitar, bass, keyboards, drums, or even singing, whenever I'm engaging an instrument, I think about what it would mean to my grandfather if he were alive right now to see what I'm doing. Because of all the people in my life, okay, it probably would have mattered to him the most. And of all the grandchildren and all of the great-grandchildren that he had, and there were a lot, um, I was the only one who was a musician. I was the only one who was able to do what my grandfather was not able to do. And that is something that I'm very proud of. And I'm sure that if he were around right now, he would be proud too. He would have been absolutely tickled that I was doing what I'm doing. Okay? Even though some people in my family may not really understand why I'm doing what I do, how I do what I do, or whatever, okay, he would have. He would have. And that is extremely important, okay? And I guess, you know, maybe that's where I'll leave off for right now, okay? I'll amend because this story is so is so broad okay this discussion is so broad it can't be encapsulated in one episode of Snowflake 33 so like I said I'll leave off here and I'll amend this episode in the next which will be 33B okay anyway so with that this is Mike Bostwick signing off And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy.